What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 456. Coming to you on Thursday, October 27th. We're going to look ahead to Saturday night's matchup between the USC Trojans and the Arizona Wildcats in Tucson. Take your questions and so much more. As always, you can feel free to follow us on social media. We're at Reign of Troy on Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Our email address is reignoftroy at fanside.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host, Alicia Daradola. Hello, everybody. Hello. We are back um, after a bye week. Uh, we ended up taking a bye week, um, much needed. Um, and we're a day late. The, the, the week has been uh, a super hectic one on our end, but here we are. Uh, it is Thursday night, looking ahead to Saturday night, um, a couple days away from USC's return to the field for game eight in week nine already. Week nine. Can you, can you believe it? It's been week nine. It's, it's already week nine. It's unbelievable. I think we say this every year and this year feels particularly unbelievable that it's it's been nine weeks of the the Lincoln Riley era playing actual football. Yeah, and it's been a really really fun nine weeks, and I'm really excited to see this team get back on the field after that bye week and go make a statement for the rest of the season. Yeah, and this is going to be fascinating too because it's the last game before the inaugural not inaugural what do you call it the opening college football playoff rankings come out next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's crazy to think about. Um, the final game of October, 
the infamous uh infamous not infamous the 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 legendary november comes up um during the p carroll era era of course no lost november no lost november was a big deal if sc goes through another no lost november they'll be in the pac-12 championship game we'll see if they can get there uh it's going to be a wild ride the pac-12 is anyone's game at this point uh we'll talk about that more uh, as we go here on the podcast and um as always um you guys can join us here on the podcast if you're watching us live on youtube be sure to join us in the chat give us your thoughts and what's going through your mind as the trojans get ready to play the arizona wildcats in tucson uh you can also leave a review over on apple Podcasts if you listen to us there uh, five stars helps grow the show as well and here on youtube we'd like you to subscribe to the channel like the video all of that stuff hit the notification bell all those things you're supposed to say comment yeah it all helps yeah it, sure. it all helps grow the show as well um alicia it, it's gonna be a uh, big episode so let's just start with the news right away shall we We have to start with uh, the craziest thing that I didn't expect to hear this week. <laughs> I wasn't on my bingo card. No. No. Um, Lincoln Riley talking about USC linebacker Tua Steven Nomura saying that he has played on a compound fracture. Quote, he broke his finger in the middle of a play this year, like compound, bone sticking out. He didn't tell anybody. He played three plays with the bone sticking out of his finger. What? I have so many thoughts, what? and yet my brain just goes blank of like, excuse me? Say what now? Um, obviously, everyone is comparing this to Ronnie Lott. Yeah. It's, it's, a fitting, it's a fitting comparison for sure. My first two thoughts were, I guess I have three thoughts on the matter once you get the whole, who is he, Ronnie Lott, out of the way. Number one, Tuas even Nomura as a high school recruit, was definitely billed. He was. They called him the Tasmanian Devil. He was definitely billed as just one of those dudes. Yeah. So, like, if you had told me that someone on this football team this year would play with bones sticking out of their finger, he would have been on my short list. As unexpected <laughs> as having to make that selection would have been. So there's that. What, what does the short list include? Players who eat like raw meat between plays? Well, like Porter Gustin would have been on my short list well, in, I, the, in previous it's, years. It's it's funny because as soon as they said that, I thought <laughs> Porter Gustin. Yeah. What was the what was what would he eat? He would eat. He would take like like steamed chicken and like blend it in a blender with like broccoli and like carrots, and that would be his like shake for the morning. It just yeah, crazy. Um, I <laughs> beyond beyond what I can understand. Um, so that was my first thought. Uh, number two was, wow, that's like the kind of player that you want on defense. I have said in previous episodes that um, I I don't mind seeing to receive Nomura on the field because I know that he's going to give it all 150% of what he's going to give. And I like that. But like my third thing is also, it's 2022. D don't, don't play with your bones sticking out of your finger. Like I want you to take your own personal health and safety in, in, into account. And I want you to, to, you know, go, be responsible and go see a trainer and, and, and 
recognize that this is just a game and you don't need to 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 do that so like the, yeah. we need to have a balance right between you're a badass and also like you can still be a badass without like risking your finger <laughs> yeah St- steve unger in the chat says the modern day jack youngblood who uh rams legend who famously played on a broken leg yeah like it's the it's the same thing <laughs> number four thought uh, thank crazy. god thank god the broadcast didn't catch this because we would have video and i don't want that in my life i there is nothing i want to see less than a bone yeah Remember when uh, was it Kevin Ware, the guy from Louisville? Well, no, Ryan I, Ryan Powdrell. Uh, Paudre- yeah, Powdrell. Yeah, 2006 had the, Nebraska. the leg. Yeah, but I I don't remember that being like there wasn't bone. Was I there? I want to say I think I associate that one with bone, but I don't, th- I don't. I don't know. I've seen a lot of injuries where I've had to look away. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, all right. Speaking of looking away on an injury, one of those was Jordan Addison uh, against Utah and did not look good for him. Lower body injury, of course, as they would say in the National Hockey League. Um, but maybe not so bad. Uh, let, let's talk about the the injuries going into the Arizona game. Um, he is on the questionable list, along with Eric Gentry and Raylan Goforth. Lincoln Riley said on Thursday uh, that is going to be a, quote, down-to-the-wire decision. So consider them questionable, game-time decision, whatever label you want to put on it. Down-to-the-wire is what Lincoln Riley says. Uh, That seemingly is a good thing, considering that Jordan Addison and Eric Gentry are two of the top stars on this team, right? Yeah, and quite frankly, if it is a down-to-the-wire decision, I I don't want them on the field. Like, uh, no disrespect to Arizona. I think you do have to to respect Arizona for a few reasons that we're going to talk about later. But if they're coming down to the wire, then let them sit and get them back next week and get them back without risking their future health and their current health and, and all of that. Um, it's harder, I think, with Gentry and Goforth because those are two starters at linebacker and you are in a position where you're 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 digging into your depth chart at that position so maybe that's the one where you say if if either of those guys you're going to treat them less with the with the kid gloves as far as bringing them back but i would prefer to be able to beat arizona without those three to get them healthy for for next week and i honestly i think usc should be able to do that yeah, it's going to be interesting what what that means at linebacker. Um, if there is no Gentry and go forth, uh, you know, Rajon Davis, someone who can step in there um, at, at linebacker, and you can expect to see time from him. But yeah, in a perfect world, you you can rest those guys a little bit more. For me, I think the biggest takeaway is they're not season-ending injuries, yes. and that was the concern. Uh, there was definitely the concern with Jordan Addison when you saw how bad it looked in the moments uh, against Utah. Uh, Eric Gentry, I don't remember seeing a specific play, but he is someone we've seen all year just, you know, uh, limping, um, you know. Well, we literally saw him limping yeah. on one leg. <laughs> uh, like Pogo sticking yeah. over down the field, yeah. But we've seen him limping off the field. We've seen him, like, drag a shoulder. We've seen him, like, do a bunch of things where it looks like he's just been uh, battered and bruised. So, like, yeah, if there's anyone who deserves, an, you know, an off week, it's these guys. But um, I, I think to me, the bigger point is that they're not season ending injuries and yeah, Arizona, 
not to bury the the lead here, but not a game that you expect SC to be in a four quarter fight with. Um, but you never know. It is a road game. Uh, we're going to talk about this later, but Rob Gronkowski is going to be there on the field uh, at uh, Arizona Stadium. May, the, I don't know that it has the same power of uh, you know the red bandana nights at Boston College or uh, the uh, the the two fallen Utes um, last time. Not nearly the same dynamic, surely. Of course, not not equating those things. Um, but you know, might have the 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 um, the, the zoo down at uh, Tucson a little amped up on on Saturday night. You never know. Well, I mean, Arizona. This is this is one of the things we talk about with USC all the time is that you're going to get everyone's best game and Arizona is going to want to get somebody this year. And they have an offense that might be capable of capable of getting somebody, somebody, someone this year, if you come in and sleepwalk. So yeah. Yeah. And to go back to the injury stuff, um, questionable are those three guys, Addison Gentry and go forth. But on the, on a lighter note, um, Corey Foreman has been dealing with nagging injuries, according to, Lincoln Riley, and he's expected to play. Um, on the flip side of that, someone who is out uh, is Devontae Jackson, who's sat practice all week and has not um, not been out there. Yeah, and we had talked about Devontae Jackson not playing uh, against Utah, and yeah, it looks like he's dealing with some injury. A leg injury, I believe. Yeah, me. so that's uh, that's unfortunate, but it happens, and, and fortunately USC has the cornerback bodies in there to deal with that, even though it's disappointing not to see that young talent out on the field with Corey Foreman. It's really about giving this defense that extra oomph to overcome mm-hmm. the tests that, that are coming uh, in, in the next few weeks. So Arizona, this offense is going to be something that, that some, an offense that could score on this USC defense. It would be very helpful if they had a breakout game from someone like Corey Foreman. It would be very helpful if they got breakout uh, situations from Foreman in the future, you know, the next next two, three weeks as you lead up to Notre Dame and UCLA and all of those, like if he becomes a second half star, then your defense is in significantly better shape because what did we say went wrong against Utah? They didn't get sacks. They weren't creating havoc plays. And that's literally what Corey Foreman was recruited to do. So, yeah, so I'm going to keep an eye on. But again, it's it's, you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk around Foreman. It's time for that talk to start being turned into action. Yeah, a hundred, hundred percent. The other thing I wanted to bring up here was a tweet from Bryson Shaw's dad. Um, not usually a source of uh, injuries or or um, parents, but in a in a time where Lincoln Riley isn't necessarily always um, you know discussing these things, and and we we've looked for more clarity on things. Um, this came out on Thursday. He tweeted, "Quote." Finally, my number one son is just about 100% recovered from his quad tear that he suffered at the start of summer camp. Looking forward to watching him work his way back. Hashtag fight on. Hashtag USC Trojans. I am shocked that this tweet didn't get shared in our uh, group chat with Rot Hates, with uh, with uh, Travel Hates Thursdays and Keely Yor because there have been many, many debates about whether or not fall camp is actually summer camp is actually fall camp is actually summer camp. And this might be something worth debating. What does he mean by summer camp? I'm talking 
Is he is he is he putting in his uh, summer his, camp means summer work or summer? Work? I mean, no, it's fall questions camp, were asked. Fall, I prefer yes. fall camp. Yes, it, it's is... fall camp. You're getting ready for fall. But either way, it is it is nice to sort of see this kind of thing. And and I think people have been asking like, where's Bryson Shaw? Well, he's dealing with a quad injury. That's certainly going to slow him down and and limit his opportunities to get on the field. And that's what the second half of the season is for: is to see what some of those guys who have been who have been limited get more opportunities. Yeah. Uh, I, this makes a lot of sense to me in terms of the, the severity of an injury like that. Um, Cause I know there were questions. We had faced questions here on, on the show of why isn't he getting opportunities? And the thing that I kept going to is I believe in the coaching staff enough at this point, they, they have shown that they are not distrustful Um or they're not worthy of, of uh, distrust when it comes to guys getting opportunity. If, yeah. if someone is surely sitting on the, like I, there's no reason to believe that someone is sitting on the bench who could, couldn't contribute. Um, and if they're not playing, there's a reason they're not playing either. They're not um, performing in practice or they're hurt. And um, yeah, in Bryson Shaw's case, it was, he was hurt. So yep. there's the answer that people have been, uh, looking for as well. Um, all right, USC and Arizona locking horns uh, on Saturday nights at Arizona Stadium, 4 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Uh, presumably USC's final game on the Pac-12 Network. Uh, SC plays next week uh, on ESPN against Cal, followed by the Colorado game on FS1. Uh, they would be an utter shock if the UCLA game was in the Pac-12 network. Um, and we know the Notre Dame game will never be on the Pac-12 network. So uh, this is it. This is it for the year. Um, the USC and Arizona on, on the, uh, the interconference uh, network, uh, the Wildcats four and three, on, sorry, three and four on the season and one and three in conference. Jed fish now in year two, He's four and fifteen at the helm of the Wildcats. An interesting sort of tenure so far. Uh, I thought that it was a terrible hire to hire Jed Fish. I didn't think there was any hope for Arizona. And last year, they were like, uh, for a one and eleven team, they weren't terrible. They they were they were more they were more feisty than one and 11. Yeah. Then, would... then you would imagine one and 11 to yes. be right. Yeah. One and 11 you imagine is hopeless. And that was very much a, we're one and 11, but we're fighting and we're trying and, yeah. and maybe we're building something here. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think there, there was a one and 11 where like you, if you were an Arizona fan, you could squint and see the future. Right. Yes. And so far this year, Arizona has been, um, you know, pretty much a chalk team. They, they've beaten the teams below them and they're losing to the teams above them. And I think that if you're Arizona so far at this, this point in their rebuilds, you take that. Um, they're recruiting the, well. That's the, the big thing. They absolutely are recruiting well. Uh, they got a big win over FCS powerhouse uh, North Dakota State. It sounds weird to, to hail about a, uh, their, a their FCS win, but that, for Arizona, given where they are, that is an FCS win that matters. Uh, I think we all agreed North Dakota State is like what a middling Power Five team. Like if what did they translate to be like? Um, 
I don't know, like a Northwesternish. Would type? rice beat North Dakota State? No. I mean, Big T in the chat said uh, they were not Colorado bad. Yeah, they were like, well, Colorado, Colorado wouldn't have beat wouldn't have beat North Dakota State this year. I can tell you that much. No, no, exactly. And so, yeah, the the, the way I look at it, Arizona is is an is an interesting team, and really, you break it down even further. Um, this is an offense that can compete with anyone in the country. It's a defense that, um, yeah, still looks <laughs> like the one and eleven record that yeah. they had last year. Let's let's just say it. Let, let's get to it. Uh, the Wildcats are eighty seventh in SP plus, fifty second in offense. That fifty second, I think, doesn't do them justice of how potent they are in offense. By the way, one hundred and thirteenth in defense. And why is this? Because their passing offense is fifth in the country. Fifth. No one no one else in, in FBS has more 20-yard pass plays than the Arizona Wildcats. They're tied with Ohio for the most 20-yard pass plays with 40. Of course, led by Jaden uh, DeLara, the transfer from, from Washington State. He is slinging it all over the yard. Uh, 2,200 yards, almost 2,300 at this point. 19 TDs, 7 interceptions, 150.4 passer rating, but really has come to his own the last few games, even the last two games where, uh, you know, Arizona has struggled against two really good teams, Oregon and Washington, two losses in which they gave up a billion points on defense. Arizona on offense has been great. Last three games, uh, Arizona, uh, Delara, 11-1 uh, to touchdown interception ratio. One interception in the last 20, uh, 126 pass attempts. Um, this is a they have a wide receiver core uh, led by Jacob Cowan, uh, Dorian Singer, uh, and uh, McMillan. That I'm not going to botch his first D- name. Don't overthink it, Taitoro. Don't overthink it. It's just Taitoro. It's easier than you think it is. I think th- I'm literally reading the the pronunciation guide, and you're getting that wrong. Tetaro, uh, yeah, uh, exactly. Okay. Not what yeah. you said. There's, you there's it's one of those T-Mac. ones where We're there's T Mac. Okay, T Mac. Yeah, Cowie and Singer and T Mac. Um, if if USC does not have the best wide receiver core in in the in the conference, it's Arizona. Uh, Cowie and Singer is second and third uh, in the conference in receiving. Fifty three catches and forty one catches there. Seven hundred thirty seven yards, six hundred and five nine touchdowns total between the two. Uh, they have a running game that's a three-handed backfield between uh, Jonah Coleman, DJ Williams, and Michael Wiley, who uh, entered his oblique against Oregon, missed the Washington game. We'll see what his status is on Saturday. But this is an offense that can score points. It's an offense that I think USC has to worry about, given that the Utah game was one where the defense couldn't stop a roly-poly. I, you know, like I, it's going to be interesting to see what what USC does on defense here. Uh, but of course, the flip side is that you talk about this this offense being, you know, number one in twenty yard pass plays. The defense, even worse than the offense, is good. Hundred and thirteenth SP plus, like I mentioned, right? One hundred and twenty fourth in scoring defense, giving up thirty six points a game. 129th in yards per play, 6.94 yards per play. Alicia, I did the math. 
in the last 10 seasons, there have only been three Pac-12 schools with the worst yards per play allowed average against them. Three. 2018 Oregon State, 2016 ASU, and 2013 Cal. It's bad. It's bad, especially bad on the ground, 120th in rush defense, 128th in rushing yards per carry, giving up 5.81 yards per carry. Again, past 10 seasons, only four Pac-12 teams have had a worse yards per carry against one of those teams being a team that SC plays in a couple of weeks uh, in 2022 (laughs) Colorado. But 2022 Colorado, 2020 Arizona, again, 2018 Oregon State, and then 2016 Cal. Like, the fifth worst in the last 10 years, this rush defense, it's it's bad. It's really bad. And, and you know, historically bad when you look at the, the advanced numbers, 127th in opportunity rates. Defensive opportunity. Yeah, rate. defensive opportunity rate. Like, it's it's real bad. 120th in sack rate. They don't get after the quarterback either on that defensive line. Like, yeah. Offense, good. Defense, bad. Real bad. Well, and there's a reason they are where they are this season with a losing record because their offense has some life to it, but it it can't keep up with the other offenses in the the conference um, because it's just their defense is just is just too bad. It's just uh, too weak. And, you know, there's there's an argument to be made that, like, maybe we cut them some slack for, um, you know, giving up a bunch of points to offenses like Washington and, and Oregon, who can definitely put up points. But when you're giving up 49 points to Cal, I have I have questions yeah. about your defense that are it's, stronger than it's, it's not just 49 points to Cal. It's 354 rushing yards to Cal. Yes. Yeah. So this Arizona team is reminiscent to what a lot of the sort of weaker Pac-12 teams over the last 10 years have been, as, as you've pointed out that they're, they're on the defensively, they're on that bottom tier of the Pac-12 Pac-12 defenses of the last 10 years. They're very reminiscent of of many a, a team that we've seen from Arizona where they have a dynamic quarterback. They have some playmakers on offense. But unless you let those guys cook for the entire game, they're not going to be able to keep up with you because their defense is not going to stop your offense uh, at all. So yeah. once again, this game comes down to USC's defense getting a couple stops, which this kind of plays into USC's hands. I think that Arizona is the kind of offense that that could score, you know, a few touchdowns on them. But the havoc plays, the the negative plays this defense is capable of of producing are exactly the kind of plays that trip up this offense. And you only need to trip them up on a couple uh, of drives before you're ahead by two touchdowns, and then you just you you roll. So when you have the talent that USC has on offense going against this defense, you should look at it as scoring on every drive uh it, yeah. it, and and it, it you know this could be another game where we look at it and say we'll run the ball and you're gonna run for 400 yards and it's gonna be fine you also don't need to run the ball necessarily you can just destroy them in the passing game too because that's how good your passing game is that's how good Caleb Williams is so it's hard to see where this Arizona offense sorry where this Arizona defense creates an opportunity for an upset because that's what Arizona is going to be looking for, right? They're, they're going to be trying to create an opportunity for an upset. 
But in order to do that, it's almost like you need the other side to give it to you, which is to say a USC offense that has not been prone to turnovers suddenly commits a bunch of turnovers. A USC special teams unit that has sort of been playing on the edge all year gives up special teams touchdowns or or something like that. Like it really needs to be a catastrophic kind of performance from USC. And if coming out of a bye week, that would be so disappointing to see from this team to underestimate an opponent that way, to come out of a bye week without the fire that you should have had from the the hurt of losing the Utah game, all of those kinds of things, it's almost to an unbelievable degree of of catastrophe that that I would have to sit here and imagine how that sort of happens. It just yeah, it's hard to it it, it doesn't sort of form in my in my brain. It doesn't I, follow. I think there's a world in which this game gives SC fits. Yes, but I think the problem for Arizona here is the timing. I think that this ideally would have been um, for Arizona the the week before SC plays Utah. Yeah, uh, I think that or the week the, before USC plays uh, UCLA or something like. Yes, that. And I think that we can sit here and say, "Ooh, potential trap game." Um, we can sit here and talk about those kind of things. That's not the the case here. Uh, SC plays Cal next week. Um, SC's coming off of bye week. Arizona's coming off of bye week. Um, the 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 ick factor for SC in this game is oh road game, just the general road game. But SC's coming off a road game against Utah, the most hostile environment they'll face all season, and they had five hundred and something offensive yards and scored forty two points and like yeah looked the best they have on offense and you know arguably all season. So like I I have a hard time in in seeing it and. Yeah, I think that if if Caleb Wilson, Caleb, sorry, Caleb Williams, comes <laughs> out here and you know repeats what he did in the Oregon State game and maybe actually turns the ball over, but this Arizona defense isn't a defense that generates um, turnovers. Uh, well, they they force seven turnovers all year, one a game. That's not going to be enough to to catch SC off guard here. You know, unless Caleb Williams comes out of the bye week and just decides to take every play like he did that one play against Oregon state where he was just yoloaded up into the end zone. And, and yeah. that's not who Caleb Williams is. And I think that we came out of that Oregon state game saying like, Ooh, this is a problem. If this is, if this is who Caleb Williams is on the road, but he's spent the next few weeks showing us that is, that was just the, the most off day of off days. Like right. it was just literally Utah a, game, put all of that, to bed. all of that to bed. Yes. Yeah. He is, he's too good of a quarterback to do what he did against Oregon state again, against this Arizona defense, which, you know, Oregon's defense, Oregon state's defense puts this Arizona state defense to shame. Uh, so it, it, it doesn't, again, it's, I don't want to disregard Arizona. I don't want to overlook them because as you've said, this could be a situation where it's like 21, 21 at halftime or 28, 21 at halftime. Like it could be one of those weird games where yeah. Arizona is able to keep up for half, but I can't imagine this, this Arizona team is able to keep up with USC's offense going the other way, knowing what we know about USC's defense too. Now, if they're down Eric Gentry and down Raylan Goforth and they're starting, you know, if, if they're, if Tuasivi Namora and his broken finger are, are maybe not at their best and Shane Lee gets caught in coverage and, and, you know, things happen on the defense, but, but we have also seen that this defense is a very resilient defense and yeah. to imagine that they're going to give up 
the 60 points well, that this Arizona offense would need I, to score. I, I just can't see it happening. So there's he, he, the world. The, the, the case for Arizona in this game is, yes, um, Gentry doesn't play. Goforth doesn't play. SC has to put, you know, Shane Lee in, in positions where he's vulnerable over the middle of the field in coverage. We know Arizona wants to throw the ball vertically. That ends up being a liability. Arizona has the same success on offense that Utah did. If not, we'll, we'll just say the same success, right? Now, the flip side of that is I don't think there's any way that SC doesn't have the same success that they did against the Utah game and more. And it's the and more that's the problem there. So, and okay, I again, I, I don't want to get like ahead of myself, but you said, what is the scenario where Arizona has the leg up in this game? The scenario is really that like Caleb Williams gets injured, knock on all the wood, oh, right? Okay, you don't have but to go even, that far. But even then, I, like, do I think that Miller Moss couldn't come in here against a defense that doesn't generate pressure with an offensive line that's Ooh, had another two weeks that's, to get that's what healthy? I'm saying. That's- and yes. that Miller Moss couldn't move this offense with Lincoln Riley as his offensive coordinator. Like, right. And also, let's say you have to go down to your third string quarterback in a nightmare scenario. Okay, now this on is weird hypotheticals at this point. <laughs> no, what no, no. What doing? I'm saying is, like, if something goes wrong with quarterback, like, okay, just Travis Dye gets 40 carries then and you win the game. Like, I, <laughs> right. this, the, this the, should the, be a, a situation where your plan B, C, D, and E all win you the game. Like, maybe right. if you get down to plan F, you're in trouble, but like, the, the the point is, I think there's a world in which SC gives up 40 points here. Yes. Um, I, but I think that the 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 chances of that happening while SC doesn't score themselves, um, I think is not likely, and that's and that's why SC, uh, in Bill Connolly's numbers, has an 84% win probability. So. Yeah. There you go. Because even if you got big Jaden Delora, we know can come up with big plays. Yeah. Uh, T Mac. Uh, uh, I'm. I'm now. I'm psyching myself up Just with, the, with the dang. It's very the, simple. I had it in my head though. I had it. Uh, Totoro. Uh, it's it's right. You're doing what my mom does with your last name. I am. And just. Skip it then. Totoro. No, it's about cadence. I need to figure out the cadence. Whatever. McMillan could make a couple of really big plays, and. That could absolutely happen. This tight end, uh, Tanner McLaughlin, <laughs> could I don't know do two hundred yards. I, I why are we why are we why talking, are we talking about, about these incredible these hypotheticals these incredible hypotheticals? But it, it just you know basically we've broken this down. The too long didn't didn't read situation for this is Arizona might put up points. It won't matter. Yes. Now um, this will be a different preview when we preview Colorado in a couple of weeks. Um, because that would that one we can just admit. I mean, omit the the whole offensive side of yeah. it. Like, <laughs> you know, they could score for a little bit. Like that point will be not included in the Colorado yes. preview. Yes. Um, yeah. And a down in the uh, in the chat says Plan F um, and SC ain't Ferrari. Um, yeah. This yeah. Is, this is true. Uh, okay. All right. Let, let's get to the over under or over under picks going into USC and Arizona. 
Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Is your wallet a little lighter than usual after the holiday season? Consider it money well spent because you deserve to live your best life and the Chime Checking Account wants to help you live yours to the fullest. A little extra money goes a long way, which is why the Chime Checking Account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members no monthly fees, and access to over 60,000 easy-to-find and fee-free ATMs. You even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go, including sending and receiving money fee-free with friends that aren't even on Chime. Sign up for Chime today for you and your wallet. Get started at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia, you have a lead because apparently you had a good week a couple weeks ago against Utah. Uh, you are now 26 and 25. I am 25 and 26. What is your first over on? All right. Uh, one of the things we glossed over in our little preview there was uh, the presence of a former Trojan on this Arizona team. Hunter Eccles is mm-hmm. uh, playing for the Wildcats. He actually leads them in tackles for loss and sacks this season. Um, he has 6.5 tackles for loss, but he had zero against Oregon and Washington. So and those are the last two games for them. So I'm setting the line at just will Hunter Eccles have a tackle for loss in this game? We're going 0.5 tackles for loss for Hunter Eccles. This is an easy over. Yes. Okay. Uh, revenge game for Hunter Eccles. Yes. He's he's getting that, that tackle for loss. Okay. Yeah. USA doesn't give, a, give up a lot of tackles for loss. Arizona doesn't have many, period. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, in 
home game for him. Like, that's fair, yeah. Playing against his former team, he's getting the tackle for loss. Let's, yeah. let's be real here. He's getting it. Uh, my my first over-under is 233.5 rushing yards for the Trojans. Why is it 233? Because that is their season high, 233 so far this season. Can they set a new season high? Arizona, of course, has allowed 233 plus three times, uh, including 306 to Oregon, 354 to Cal, and 283 to FCS Superpower, North Dakota State. So normally my instinct would be to take the under here because in order to get high rushing totals, USC has to actually commit to running the ball all the time. But in this case, and maybe I'm just living off of one too many memories of uh, said where going off against the Wildcats. <laughs> I have a feeling that Relique Brown, this is this defense is set up for him to break off a couple and for USC to get a lead that they decide to protect by just running the ball in the second half. There you go. And clearing the benches and just doing that. So I am going to go with the over on this. Okay. Uh, I like that this is a rushing yards in general question and not a Travis Dye rushing yards question because yeah. for that, I might take the under because, again... Well, I wouldn't expect him to get 233. No, no, no. But like if you had, if you had, had like a 99.5 rushing sure. yards for Travis Dye, I would have just sat here and moaned and like, come on, you can't... Do, don't do this to me. Don't make me take the under on that one. Yeah, I I, I, think this, that's a, I think that's a good play. I think that's very good rationale. And I think that if I was making the pick, probably what i would do too i i don't think 233 is that high of a line um it, I, I didn't put it at 300 you know what i mean yes but but the scary thing about usc is that we have seen that the run game is not necessarily the stat monster that it could be yes because the game is so much in caleb williams's hands at all times i i agree but i think this is a game where SC could potentially score on every drive. Yes. Which if that happens. And if that happens, you're just going to get that in yeah. terms of the like overall production of things at all. I don't know, if right? Miller Moss is in the game in the third quarter, as I would prefer to happen under positive circumstances, then the handoffs will come. They're, they're getting the 233. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. What's your next one? All right. I am going with 3.5 sacks for USC. Uh, knowing that they got zero sacks against Utah and Oregon State earlier this season, but in every other game that they've played, they got four sacks against Rice, and they've had five sacks in every other game that they've played. Arizona has allowed an average of 1.7 sacks per game this season. They're sort of more in the range of like giving up two sacks a game. But when USC gets to the quarterback, they get to the quarterback, and they go. So 3.5 sacks for this USC defense. Hmm. Three and a half sacks. You always lull me into these, and it 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 always sounds like a crazy high line, right? <laughs> um. So I go right here and I'm pulling up Arizona stats. Where where are they at in sack rate? Thirtieth in the country. They don't give up a ton. Yeah, Delara can can allude to. I think he gets the ball out quickly, too. Yeah, three and a half. Mm, give me the under. 
Okay. And and here the rationale for two times FC is as um had zero. It was the last two road games, so it's mm. another road game. So yeah. um yeah, I give me the under, but I I wouldn't be shocked if they pull out that over again uh, consistently like it has with with you on the sacks there. Um, my next one's going to be over under 334 and a half passing yards, passing yards for Arizona. Can the Wildcats get to their average? That's what their average is in passing yards. Of course, the Trojans averaged a, I'm sorry, allowed a season high 424 uh, at Utah last time out. Arizona has weirdly, um, they've, Delara has thrown for 400 yards three times. Every other game, 299 or fewer. So, the, like, it's not like they're really close to this 334 number. That's just how the math bears out. Um, it's not necessarily a indicative of how many yards they actually are getting in a game. But, yeah, I think that could make it interesting for your pick here over under 334 and a half. Well, this is tough because I guess the question really is, is how much did Utah lay the blueprint for the exploitation of this pass defense with what they did with Cam Rising and Dalton Kincaid? Yeah. The thing that's holding me off here, because I, I do think that this Arizona, this Arizona offense could, could put up yards and put up points, but at the same time, that Utah performance was the exception to what we have generally seen from this USC defense in terms of being able to get stops and being able to get off the field. And part of me respects Cam Rising just too much to say that that wasn't partly a reflection of that that Utah offensive line, Cam Rising, that entire offense and, and who they are and what they do. So I feel like it's just optimistic Alicia all over the place here, but like, I think I'm going under on this because I think that of everybody, I I think that USC's defense has more to prove than anybody else on this team. I think they're going to have come out of this bye week with more to prove and, and more of a wanting to make a statement. So it's also a high number. Like they could give up 300 and, 20 yeah. passing yards. Yeah. Uh, and you can feel like SC got gashed at times um, and still get the under on this, too. So um, that's it. That's, wait, you're, you're, you're taking the over? I'm taking the under. Oh, yeah. See, again, this makes me think I screwed up before. Yeah. She, she wrote, I wrote over. over. No, in, I'm in taking the under. I'm taking the under. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, next one. What, what's, what's your last over under? All right, I am going with a points one, which I know that uh, isn't always the favorite, but I do think it's an interesting situation here. 49.5 points for USC. So Arizona has given up 49 points to all three of their conference opponents. I know, so I'm, I'm very upset at you. I about stole this. that from you. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I noticed it before I saw you what you wrote in the rundown. So take it for what it is. Um, Oregon scored 49, Washington scored 49, and Cal scored 49. So this is going to be an interesting test for USC's offense in comparison to those. Yeah. USC hasn't scored 
more than 45, I think, since they put 66 on Rice. Now, you know, only 45 points, only 42 points. It's not the end of the world. It's, it's, it's a great USC offense. But it would be fun to see this USC team put 50 on somebody, and this feels like a defense they could do it on. So I'm going 49.5 points for USC over or under. So I'm very upset at you about this. Um, let me just clarify a little inside baseball, how it works. Usually when we're doing a rundown, uh, one of us inevitably ends up writing more of the rundown than the other person. Um, and it goes back and forth. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's you. This one was a rundown that I put together for the most part. And I handed it over to you <laughs> to this afternoon. And I said, oh, you, you just need to uh, come up with your, your over-unders and, and, and that's it. And so in the rundown, I had noticed, and like I note down the little stats that I want to mention, highlight them uh, and, and whatnot. So where I write down what my score prediction is, I write a little note that I had a little thing on it. And it says, Arizona has allowed exactly 49 points in each of their last three conference losses. Cal, Oregon, and, and Washington. You have Cal, Oregon, and Oregon. But you don't have to tell people that I messed up. <laughs> um, and, and so I I was like, you know, I'm proud of myself for like having this little nugget there. And that's going to skew what my score prediction that we'll get to soon is. And then you just had to use it for an over-under. And now I'm torn because... I had this whole like little speech plan for my score prediction and, <laughs> and now that is all out the window. So in my 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 mind, my body, my soul all says over. But there's part of me that's like but Arizona continues to allow exactly 49 points. <laughs> so why pick anything else but SC scoring exactly 49 points? So give me the under. Okay. You're, you're taking the under by 0.5 points. I love that. <laughs> I love that for you. I love that for me too. <laughs> yeah. So that gives you the over. Yep. Gives you the over on 49 and a half. Uh, all right. My last one is over under. One and a half Jaden Delara interceptions. He's thrown seven this year, as I talked about. Three of those came in week two against Mississippi State and uh, the fighting Mike Leeches. Um, in the last three weeks, as I mentioned before, 11 to 1 touchdown interception ratio, 126 pass attempts, only one pick. He's been pretty clean. Will he get to two interceptions? That seems like a lot. The Trojans, of course, still number one in turnover margin, number two in interceptions forced, uh, over under one and a half Jaden Delara interceptions. I'm going to go under on this okay. just because I think that the turnovers have clearly slowed down a little bit for USC. Yes. I think that USC's defense can still live with the sort of havoc game plan, but the turnovers – are just going to be harder to, to come by, I think, just with the law of averages happening. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Jaden Delora threw an interception, but I just don't want to bet on him throwing two interceptions, especially when, you know, USC could get turnovers by also forcing fumbles. We've seen they're very good at that. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I think that Jaden Delora will try to be very careful in this game too. So taking that under. But wouldn't be surprised yeah. at all if that overhit. It, it was a... 
really tough line to put together because I hate putting together 0.5 lines. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just yes or no. And I think that those can be uh, boring sometimes. And mind you, this is not a precursor to what our next one is because our next one, genuinely interesting. An exception to the 0.5 rule. Yeah. Um, but, but sometimes the yes or no questions in over under are the really interesting ones. But when it's a stat one, when it's a stat like interceptions, yeah. it's not that interesting. Yeah. Right. Um, so I had to put it to one and a half. So, yeah, I, I think that it could go either way. But, um, yeah, the under is probably the good pick there. Yeah. All right. Which leads us into um, another over under that we've gotten here from the chat in here in Utah. I mean, in Utah, in YouTube, Utah. I had the U there and the T sound. Yeah. YouTube here on the YouTubes um, from a down Pinoy that says oh, 0.5 over under 0.5. Caleb Williams led drives in the fourth quarter. See, that is genuinely interesting. That's a good 0.5 line. Caleb Williams led drives fourth quarter over under over is a yes. Under I, is a no. I'm going bold here. I'm gonna... I, don't, I don't know what bold means. It well, Based on the way we've been talking, I should take the under because I, I don't think Arizona is going to be in this game. But we've also seen that Lincoln Riley really doesn't like to take Caleb Williams out that that early. Uh, even like the lead could be 14 points if Arizona's putting up some points. So I'm going over. Okay. I think he will lead okay. at least one drive in the fourth quarter. See, okay. Which to me feels bold. You That's fair. Play. That's fair. Okay. So you just did something that you made me figure out something that my brain was doing the other way. My brain was viewing this as the inverse. Oh. Um, you no, you have it right. You okay. have it right. Yeah. My my brain was viewing this as the inverse. So I'm like, what do you mean? It's it's bold. It's bold to say to say one. Like, I don't think it's bold. No. No, y- yes. I, I, I get what you're saying. Okay. I was my brain was like saying Caleb Williams not let drive gotcha like yeah even though i know that that's not the case yeah, yeah. um okay so um since this is not one that you or i made it's we're free to take a a, a different mm-hmm. pick here i'm gonna take the under I'm, though okay. i'm gonna give, give me the under on this okay which means that caleb williams will not play a down in the fourth quarter that's that's what i think that's how we would interpret that right yes. yeah yeah all right uh, game prediction time. Bill Connolly's numbers were talked about before. 84% win probability for the Trojans. His uh, his numbers say that SC wins 41-24. Vegas has the line as of us putting together this rundown. It's USC minus 15 and a half over under of 76 and a half. Alicia, what's your score? I just changed mine right now. Uh-oh. Okay, um, I've got USC 55, Arizona 28. Uh, I had Arizona 32 or 33 and decided to move it down because I'm going to give some more credit to USC's defense. I think they can get the job done while also giving up 28 points, and I won't feel bad about it. I think USC's offense should be out to make a statement and should be out to put as much points on the board as possible. So mm-hmm. 55-28. All right, good football score. Solid, Solidly a football score. Um. All right, and mine's not too different. I'm going. We talked about before the 49 points thing. SES to score 40 exactly 49 points to to keep the mojo alive against Arizona, Cal, Oregon, Washington all scored 49 points. SC scoring 49 points again, exactly 49. Uh, Arizona 24. 
24. I, I hemmed and hawed about making it 31, but I, yep. I, I put it back at 24. And like part of my brain is also now screaming at me to like be bolder and drop it to 18 or something stupid like that because like be bolder, Alicia. Be, be I mean, bolder. I. I I real I resp- I like this defense. I also think I trust this defense a little bit too much at times, and I also think that we trust this defense not enough sometimes. And also, they're going to be playing without some key players potentially. So, I don't know where I'm at with this. Either way, I think USC is going to win comfortably, and whatever the score comes out to be will be what it is. So, but I just want to bring something up really quick. Um, we've talked about a lot of stats. A lot of stats for SC and UCLA point to 2005, right? Mm-hmm. This is the best uh, since 2005 <laughs> of this. Uh, SC is doing this for the first time since 2005. Mm-hmm. The same thing is happening for UCLA too. Like a lot of their stats are first time they were six and I was since 2005, I think. Uh, these numbers, the scores in the 50s in Tucson reminds me that in 2005, Arizona beat UCLA 52-14. <laughs> Number seven UCLA. That would be pretty fun. So, like, is there a world where – and that was a three-win uh, Arizona team. Is there a world in which Arizona, uh, the one game that the divine intervention all comes together is this one? No, I don't think so. But I mean, there is a world where that happens. <laughs> it's just, like, one in a billion universes. So – it, is it technically possible? Absolutely. Did we just speak it into existence? Yes, we did. Uh, are the pitchforks and torches going to come out for us in the car cast after it happens? Yes, of course. We expect that. But it's just, you know, one I, in a billion. I just want to go back to the, t- the 2005. 8-0 UCLA going into that game, feeling like on top of the world. Mm-hmm. And then losing 52-14. We got to have Jake on at some point and ask him what was going through his But this was like the classic, like, we saw this with Pete Carroll teams too, where, you know, they'd be on top of the world. They didn't lose 52 to That's true. Like, even the Stanford loss, which was shocking, there were, like, extenuating circumstances that contributed to that loss. Yeah, USC didn't tend to get blown out. Booty pulled the... Uh, to receiving the Murrah and stayed in the yeah, game. Yeah, and stayed in the game with a, with a bone stain out of his finger. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go to the mailbag. I've got an email from Tom in the Cayman Islands who says, Hi, Michael and Alicia. I'm not sure if my expectations uh, have sunk so low uh, due to the Helton era that a one-point loss on the road to a good team didn't even leave me disappointed. The Helton era always left me with the sense that even if the team was winning during the season, they would get dismantled once they played a good team like Utah. Not only did USC show that they can play well in a tough environment, but Utah went for two in their last score. That's something that usually only road teams do because they feel lucky to be able to keep through uh, 60 minutes. To me, that's Whittingham saying he doesn't think his team could keep going at that pace with USC. Thanks, Tom and the Cayman Islands. Tom, you are exactly correct. This is exactly how I feel about that mm-hmm. game. I, I talked about it in the, in the fallout episode. Like, honestly, like I feel better about USC after that Utah game than before. And part of it is because, yeah, there was part of me feeling squeamish about the, the Caleb Williams thing. Is he, does he struggle in, in big games? Cause you can look at the numbers from the organ from Oregon, 
from the uh, Oregon State. No, from, from his um, his Oklahoma tenure. Yeah, uh, against Oregon State previously uh, this year, but against Baylor last year, against Iowa State last year. Like there were times where he played good defenses and he struggled. And I know that quarterbacks are going to struggle against good defenses more than they're going to struggle against bad defenses. But at the same time, like there's you know there's there's lingering doubt sometimes when when you see things like that. He obliterated all doubt um, against Utah. And then there's just general doubt, like I, I talked about before. Like, I predicted SC to lose to Utah before the season because I didn't think that SC was going to be this good in year one mm-hmm. because it's year one. They've got so many new players. They've got all these transfers. Like, it's hard to get everyone to gel. And, it like, Lincoln Riley has to win coach of the year It's in some sort of category for what he's been able to do we've got a question about that coming up yeah like just because of all the the pieces that he's put together and so yeah i think that you you leave that game a one point loss where you only trail by one point because just like tom said whittingham knew that that was his best opportunity to win the game i i wouldn't have done it if i was him but i could i could I could see why he did it and he did it because SC continued to score on offense and uh, we're doing to, to Utah's defense, what Utah was doing to SC's defense. Yeah. I I think Tom hit the nail on the head. I think also you just have to look at that game and realize that it it was not the losses that we saw of the Hilton era. Um, It was a, 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 an opponent that, you were in a hostile territory against a good opponent playing with a purpose behind them. Also, I mean, we talked a lot about the the bad calls that were made in that game, but I think we didn't spend a lot of time talking about the injuries that happened in the middle of that game. Jordan Addison suffers what looks like a devastating season ending injury on the sideline. Uh, Eric Gentry has to come out of that game on one leg. And I think you can look at it and say, those are, in the top two players of importance on each side of the ball for USC. Um, Tui Tupelo to probably outranks Eric Gentry in terms of, of, of uh, importance to the defense, but Eric Gentry is, is high up there. Losing him was huge. Jordan Addison, number one receiver, losing him is huge. And so I think that there were a lot of things where you can look at it and, and treat them like sliding doors moments where, you know, if this one little thing goes different, if, if that call doesn't get made or if, this guy doesn't get injured or, you know, one, one little change in, in the, in the history of that game and the result changes. And that's not to let anyone off the hook for losing. That's not to, to say it was like, okay to lose or anything like that. But I just think you look at it and go, that's football. That happens. Yeah. That's sports. Like that you didn't lose that game because you weren't prepared. You, you well, lost the game because you know, things went wrong and, and you lost the game. You want to talk about sliding doors moments, like go back to the Oregon state game and the Neil on nudge, yeah. right? Like, for all intents and purposes, SC should have lost the Oregon State game. They win it. For all intents and purposes, SC should have beaten Utah. They lose it. Yeah, it um, Where they are right now, I think, is probably just a fair point. Like, SC is 6-1. and one. This is probably where they should be, yeah. given how those two games played out. But, yeah, I, and, you know, things tend to even out in the end, and maybe they did in those two games. But What, what I think is the most going to be the most interesting – and it's going to be hard to tell, except from a mentality standpoint, because the next three weeks are 
not the most challenging in terms of opposition, right? So right. the mental battles these next three weeks are going to matter a lot more than the than the on the field battles necessarily. Um, it's how you respond to the way you lost to Utah because um, you're going to have to expect you're going to have to expect to lose every once in a while. It's how do you respond to the loss that proves that you are a team that that can um, really challenge and and deal with adversity and and go on to bigger and better things. So. That's what I'm looking for from that loss. It was not a surprise to me that USC lost in a win-loss sort of tabulation. Um, and I think that's why I think people with sense get that, like, that loss was not the end of the world. Like, we've seen losses from USC over the last few years that felt way more the end of the world than that. Yeah, and that Utah one, certainly not one that... Um, yeah. Has egg on your face, as, as I tend to say. Um, does not um, for SC. Uh, we got a question on YouTube from SJ at this point. Who is the Pac-12 coach of the year? You mentioned um, that we, we could discuss this uh, earlier. I mean, uh, that there'd be a question about this. And I think there's only two answers, right? There are only two answers. There might be three answers when all is said and done, but there are only two answers. It's Lincoln Riley and it's um, Dan Lanning. Yes. Now, I think Oregon can make the argument for Dan Lanning from the perspective of, yes, he got his ass kicked against Georgia, but it does take for a first-time head coach taking over a new program with with their own sense of, of transfers and all that kind of stuff to then rally and recover and still have that belief and buy-in to be able to then go on to where they are now in that in the season, I think that's uh, very admirable. At the same time, I will go full board to argue for Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley dealt with off-season drama of a degree that is just insane. Um, rebuilt this roster by 50%, like lost 50% of last year's players, brought in a whole host of transfers, had to spend the summer getting onboarding all of those players, onboarding freshmen, all of that kind of stuff, and then comes in and his only loss of the season is by one point on the road in a hostile environment under circumstances where you were dealing with important players' injuries and questionable penalties. Like To me, what Lincoln Riley has done to so quickly establish and put his brand uh, on on USC to, to have – players buy in so quickly that's coach of the year stuff for me by the when all is said and done if ucla recovers from that loss to oregon chip kelly can be in the conversation if he gets ucla to the pac-12 title um which i think is still on the board for them but to me it's very clearly the 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 pecking order for me is lincoln riley dan lanning and chip kelly yeah, I think first of all, you have to understand what the coach of the a coach of the year award is not about who the best coach is. It is about who is the coach that um, overcame adversity, overcame expectations, or had to do something that like wasn't expected, right? Or or isn't normal. And I think that the only two guys currently that stand for that are. Um, Lanning and and Riley and I think that I think Lanning's case right now if there's a midseason one I think yeah I think you can absolutely give it to him uh, based on 
remember what we talked about after the SC lost uh, 50 to 6? Um, 50, 50 to 6? 52 to 6? 56 to 52 to 6? Yeah. Whatever, to Alabama? Whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Um, we, we sat there in the parking lot in an Arlington Whataburger <laughs> saying that, like, yeah, this, this guy just isn't fit to coach. Like, I, and I think that if you're an Oregon fan, you could sit there and, you know, after they get absolutely destroyed um, by Georgia, you, maybe you're sitting there thinking, oh, my God, what did we do? Yeah. Um, and clearly that wasn't – they decided that wasn't going to be the moment that defined them and they were going to end up playing – um, some of the best football in the country since then. Um, and so like, I think that, yes, I think that puts you in the, in position to win a coach of the year award. I think the problem for SC, the, the thing that Lincoln Riley, while I think that he, what he has done is incredible. The problem is the, I don't know how many people are going to truly take it in for what it is because there were a lot of SC fans and a lot of people around the country who thought a lot of, of SC going into the season who put their expectations extremely high at the beginning. And when you put their, the, these coach of the year awards are about surpassing expectations. And so if your expectations were the SC was going to make the playoff, then there's nothing that Lincoln Riley has done to make him coach of the year. He's doing what he's supposed to do and doing what you're supposed to do means you don't win a coach of the year award. And we, I think it is nothing more than incredible that SC has put together a roster of all these transfers, but there are also a lot of people who don't think that. There's a lot of people who look at it and say, well, he has the benefit of the transfer portal that no one else had um, before, like coaches in, you know, uh, Nick Saban in, in 2007 didn't have the transfer portal when he was in his first year at Alabama. To to do those things, and so then you can't, you just can't compare him and and Lincoln Riley in year one, and I think that to to some of that point, there's yeah, there's a fairness there because you know Nick Saban couldn't bring in the 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 duo of Caleb and Mario Williams, right? At the same time, I just go back to yes, he's allowed to bring in all these players. But also, that's just more egos. Yes. That's more guys you have to find room for. And during- that, that, that's more guys you're replacing. Like, I, I, I go back to the example of how many times have the Lakers done this mm-hmm. where they bring in all this incredible talent in the offseason and then they end up looking like absolute stooges because they can't get it to work. Yes. I mean, that, that is, that is what I am most impressed about with Lincoln Riley. I think it's really easy to say, Oh, he got the transfer portal, but like you brought in the best player from Oregon's offense. You brought in the best players from Oklahoma's offense. You brought in the best players from Pitt's offense and you asked them all to work together. And like, they've been seamless, but somebody not Travis Dye who had come in looking to be the star and being great, but not being the, the focal point of this offense could have, set the team on fire. Like there are a million reasons why the, the team could have fallen apart before now. I also think that you're spot on about saying that it's about turning over expectations. And the thing that Dan Lanning has, has going for him that I would push back on is that when you lose to Georgia 49 to three, your expectations reset. Everyone drops you out of the rankings, blah, blah, blah. So now, Oh, they're playing the best football of anybody that's, that that's been playing. Well, okay. They beat, 
FCS Eastern Washington. They beat a bad BYU team. They beat a Washington State team that USC that they barely beat a bad. I mean, sorry, they barely beat a Washington State team that USC also beat. They gave up as many points to Stanford as USC gave up to Stanford. They beat an Arizona team, and now they've beaten a UCLA team at home. That like, there's only one impressive win on that. One one impressive win that is more impressive than anything USC has done. The difference is that USC, people look at how USC beat Stanford and go, oh man, the defense gave up so many points. This is the same game. So USC is being, being uh, evaluated based on the expectations that we came in with USC, where Oregon got to come in at a, at a zero point and has now been rising to they're playing the best football in, in the nation, which quite frankly, they're not. Um, they're a good team, but like I'm, I'm also just going to come out like, it's it, they they don't compare to what we've seen from Tennessee. They don't compare even to what we've seen from Clemson. And I'm a Clemson hater. Like these are all just things that you have to sort of push back on. You 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 think there's five te- at least five teams um, that are playing better football right now than Oregon is? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah. I I I would put um, Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, and Alabama ahead of of Oregon okay, and Oklahoma state, sorry. And TCU and Oklahoma state. Okay. All right. Fair. So they're ranked eighth right now. And you, you would say that you'd basically keep them there even without the Georgia loss. Um, well, without the Georgia loss, we would be talking about resume. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm talking about where they are right. The, the, I'm say, talking about the, the without the Georgia I'm loss. About, I'm not talking about any particular loss. I'm talking about if, how they are playing right now. If you in, took, in a in a if you took the Georgia game out of the equation, I'm not necessarily taking the Georgia. No, game no, no. Out I'm just it. saying, like, if you took the Georgia game out of the equation, and this was an undefeated Oregon team that had beaten the teams that they've beaten so far. I think TCU would have the argument to be ranked ahead of them. Tennessee, okay. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, all of them would have a better resume than what you what you have seen from Oregon so far. But Oregon is now the new darling of college football, the same way UCLA was the new darling of college football after yeah. after, you know, this is why the rankings are I mean it's hard because we're looking at an incomplete picture. Like, is yeah, UCLA, yeah. is UCLA, is, is this win over UCLA very, very impressive for Oregon? Or by the end of the season, is UCLA going to collapse? Or is UCLA going to end up winning the Pac-12 and then it's a really impressive win? The BYU win is now completely different from what we expected it to be. Um, you know, all of these things for for every team, uh, you, the win, USC's win over Fresno State is a lot less impressive than we thought it was in that in the moment because Fresno State has completely fallen on their face. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, all of these things sort of come through. It just it that's why I I just think that judging these things right now at midseason, it's hard to to judge, especially yeah, when but, but that's why I like things like I, I know it's foolproof. I mean not foolproof, but like the eye test. And just by the eye test, Oregon the last few weeks has like surely been like, you know, looked like a top five team. And and credit to them for bouncing back from a situation where they easily could have just wrapped, like, yeah. gotten the you know the life beaten out of them in week week one, um, and for them to bounce back with the first time head coach, I think is is a testament to to Dan Landing. And yes, he should yeah. get coach of the year praise for it. So, yeah, um, 
will um but by the end of the season lincoln riley will win coach of the year if he or i will say he should win coach of the year if he wins the pac-12 if dan lanning wins the pac-12 then there will be a very very good argument for him to these be awards coach of the come year. out before before the championship game before the pac-12 championship game yes it comes out the day like the day before Okay, so well then, I, so I it's going to be it, based on who is it, in the Pac-12 title game. The, but if they both win out, I think okay, Atlantic if, wins. If, it if Oregon is in the Pac-12 title game and USC is in the Pac-12 title game, I think Lanning I agree will win with it. you that Lanning will win it, and I will say that Riley deserves to win it. I will say they they were both deserving, and and they shouldn't and point. they shouldn't release that award until after the Pac-12 <laughs> title game has been decided. <laughs> that's, that's, that's probably fair. Yeah. Uh, Stephen in the chat says biggest question, uh, sorry, biggest worry or concern with with Arizona. I think that. It's it's USC's defense. Can they bounce back after the Utah game? Um, and if they're going to be with, if they end up being without Gentry uh, and Raylan Goforth, what does that mean for the linebacking core? Um, we talked about Shane Lee at length. Now um, he's been vulnerable in, the, in pass coverage. Well, now SC's going up against the the offense that has the most twenty yard pass plays of any team in the country. Like, is that going to be a problem? Um, and this is an offense that has a very good tight end, maybe not Dalton Kincaid good, um, but uh, Tanner, Tanner McLaughlin is pretty pretty good so far, 23 catches, 309 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I, it's it's the defense, of whether or not they, they can bounce back given the uh, potential limitations of, of SC at linebacker. Yeah, obviously I agree with that. For me, I'll go sort of more big picture. It's, it's, it's the worry is getting caught napping, getting caught taking the next three opponents not seriously, still acting like you're on a bye week. Um, you know, I think of the next three opponents, maybe you can get away with that against Colorado, but you can't get away with it against Arizona or Cal. There are things about Arizona and, and Cal that can catch you. Yes. And so it really is about coming in and, and looking at this as an opportunity to make a statement. One of the things that um, is going to be written by, by the end of the week on fansided.com is about how USC's playoffs hope playoff hopes are not dead, but statements need to be made. These next three weeks, you need to do to these teams what Oregon did to Stanford and Arizona to make their progression look like, damn, they're beating up everybody. Um, yeah go in and 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 route Arizona, route Cal, route Colorado and you have three big wins on your on your on your resume for the college football playoff committee to look at uh, as they are taking into account. Well, don't fall asleep and run into a situation where you win 35 to 29 and then everyone's saying, "Well, I, I don't USC's th- not." I don't think these would be three wins that would get you into the playoff no, but that, there are three wins the three games that could prevent you if yes. you sleepwalk yes uh the, the the thing for sc right now that is so interesting about this season is sc has gotten to a point where the way the schedule goes it's like it's five games left in the season but all there's of a sudden two. it's like th- there's a lull and i i don't want to sit here and say that sc should or or will or whatever overlook Arizona, Cal, and, and Colorado. But the fact is that like these are the three easiest games on USC schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, maybe Cal isn't the maybe Cal, Cal is, is like maybe akin to Fresno State ish. Maybe is, is Cal know. better than Stanford? Whatever. But yeah. the, the point is, these are three games where SC will be favored by double digits. Yeah. Um, if not twenty plus points. 
And so it's very easy to sit back here as an outsider and be like, can we just fast forward to the UCLA game? Because UCLA game is going to be like everything is going to come down to that one big game, right? Um, but the reality is you can't do that. And so you've got to go week by week and you got to make sure that you're showing up and you don't think that is a football team. You right? have you, But it's even more than that, though, because it's three weeks to, number one, make a statement prove how like how dominant you can be against lesser opposition which will matter in term in the eyes of voters and all that kind of stuff number two continue to build up your reps and by that i mean get these games done so quickly that you can start clearing benches and let guys like rajon davis and uh and chris thompson and and Corey foreman and all those just like have at it in the second half of games yeah. and build up those reps let miller moss get some reps like Start use these as learning weeks that get you ready for the end of the season. And don't overlook Notre Dame either, because there's reasons to not overlook that game, and they're very big. Um, and their name is Mayor. Um, well, your your alumni circles are probably <laughs> hopping off at the chance to uh, to do those. Oh, yeah. but it's it's just just don't don't get ahead of yourself. Take care of business. Be as dominant as you can be. Yeah, and earn your places uh, going later. Touchdown USC says, "Will Hesse be able to stop the Wildcats' tight end?" And yeah, that, that's gonna it's gonna be the big question. Um, Tanner McLaughlin, twenty three catches, three hundred nine yards, two touchdowns, as, as we said. Those numbers not too dissimilar to what Dalton Kincaid entered with coming yeah uh, last week against Utah. So um, yeah, the, the the key the key here is that. Um, Dalton Kincaid was Utah's best weapon, even as their backup uh, tight end. Um, I guess you could make the argument for Vele too, um, at, at wide receiver, but Arizona has three young studs at, at receiver who are just insanely good. Um, and McLaughlin's going to be a guy who could eat if you focus all, all your attention on the wide receivers. But as weird as it is to say, if that's the if that's the thing, if if Delara ends up going to McLaughlin versus Cowing Singer and McMillan, it again the the PTSD from the Kincaid yeah. thing is is fresh. I get it, but like that's a better alternative than going up against Cower Cowing Singer and McMillan. This is this will be an interesting week to find out too. Is like will they have made an adjustment to make sure that they don't get beat by another tight end, or yeah. will it just be no? That's fine if the tight end's gonna be your target. That's, that's what we want. The difference needs to be that we're getting to the quarterback and he's not getting well, it's, out. It's what you want passes. in a matchup game like this. Yeah. 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 Not, not, not always. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, last one comes from Jaime and says, how many food snacking questions will you be asked today? I don't know. We haven't been asked. We what, have not been asked give, a food snacking question. Give us yeah. one. Okay. Here's a question. If, uh, if two pizzas are stacked on top of each other, inverted, is it a pizza or a calzone? Ooh, well, mm, I think but it's better yet. Is it a pizza or is it a stuffed pizza? I think it's two slices of pizza inverted on each other. Like when you met your when you cook a calzone, you're cooking a calzone the the way sure. it is. Uh, I want to point out Lincoln's visor in the chat uh, pointed out that there was breaking news: USC lands four star edge rusher DJ Peavy for 2023. So that's big for USC. Keep up the recruiting. And I also wanted to point out to Malcolm in the chat 
Says Sierra Wright's last two games, two targets, one reception, 20 yards versus Utah. Uh, four targets, three receptions, 28 yards versus Wazoo. No t- no touchdowns given up this year either. Not enough people talking about this. Yeah, Sierra Wright has, is having a really exceptional season for uh, a first-time starter. Yeah. And one of the nice things about a cornerback is when you don't talk about them, preferably it's when you don't have to be talking about them. And I think Sierra Wright has done a hell of a job to in a in a sort of weird twisted way to not have us need to be talking about him because it's yeah. like for instance in an alternate universe Damani Jackson being injured for the past couple of weeks would have been something that we would have been talking about nonstop because what does USC do at corner all that kind of stuff we haven't really had to discuss Damani Jackson being injured because Sierra Wright has been the the perfect uh, partner opposite um, opposite. Uh, <laughs> What kind of black? What kind of blackman? <laughs> My bad. Uh, brain fart. Uh, at, at, at corner. Too so many transfers. How do you keep up with them? Too many transfers. How do you keep up with them? Yeah. So Sierra Wright is has exceeded all of my expectations, and I think it, we did. Didn't we give him a Roddy too? Um, for uh, for something? I don't know. You, you, he deserved you know, a Roddy, the Sierra Wright Award for. You know, I I unexpected surprises. I joke about too many transfers, but like. I went into the season honestly concerned that like how are we gonna there's so many new guys how yeah. will we keep track of all these new dudes and yeah yeah it, it hasn't been it hasn't Not been really. that difficult no. at all so it's a good thing for yeah. a, a dummy like me yeah so. but it, it is nice to see that you know USC added transfers and USC added new uh, new players and and recruits and all that kind of stuff. And someone like Sierra Wright could have ended up just completely forgotten. And yeah. he's more proof that, yeah, if you work hard and you convince the coaches that you're worthy of playing time, you'll get your playing time and have your chance to prove it. Best uh, USC celebrity uh, athlete since, let's say, better than Little Romeo. Um, uh, uh, while we're thinking about this, I'm going to answer Mark Hoffman in the chat. Eric Gentry and Addison are game time decisions, and we would prefer that to mean resting this week if they are not needed. Yeah, and I my take on that is that they are even a game time decision after yeah. the, the potential of like thinking that those could be worse uh, is a good thing for us. Dude, I'm not going to lie. In the moment, I thought that Jordan Addison broke his hip. Like genuinely, his I thought hip? He, I thought he broke his hip. Yeah. Oh, I thought he broke his ankle. No, no, Jordan Addison, because he sort of the way he fell, it was sort of like on his hip, and then he was like sort of like straight. He was his whole yeah. leg was like a I thing. Thought, I thought something was. Yeah, I it, thought it did not look good either yeah. way. But um, yeah, that we're able to say that he's a game time decision going forward is uh, is a good thing. Absolutely. Um. Anyways, that's gonna wrap up the pod. Uh, our Arizona USC preview. We will be back, of course, Saturday night with the Carcast right after the game. After you watch it on your favorite channel, Pac-12 Network, head over to YouTube and we'll be live uh, to give you our thoughts on USC and Arizona. The Trojans going to look for their seventh win of the season uh, there in Tucson. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Alicia is at Penguin of Troy. I'm at Michael Cast FS. You can follow the show at Reign of Troy on Twitter and Facebook. Email address Reign of Troy at fansided.com and yeah um that will um by the way we have so many questions really quick since we started the exit sorry (laughs) really quick 
Eric says, can you recap your in-game food choices so far? Or maybe insights on what's the Arizona in-game meal. Is that meal decided by mood or opponent? Let's talk about that in the car cast. Yeah. We, 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 will, we'll we, will, we will write that down. Yeah. And and we'll talk about it in the, in, in the car cast. So. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back on Saturday. And also, go Checo. Yes. Um, Checo, absolutely. In the uh, Grand Prix and, and Sunday. Mexico. Yeah. All right. Uh, until then, we will see you. See you. Cool. See you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.